So yeah, part two. <laughs> yeah, let's try this again. Yeah, let's try this again. Fucking part two of episode whatever the hell this is, 71. Oh, good God. All right, welcome back to the South End Zone podcast again for the second time today. Uh, here on the Big Skin Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulhair still. And uh, his internet crapped out, and mine's not all that great either. So here we are again, Eric. You ready to go through this a second time? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than talking twice about the same shitty week. (laughs) It was a shitty week indeed. So I'm not going to run through any of our picks here. All I'm going to say to our listeners about this week was if you had a good week betting, then obviously you picked the opposite of what we suggested because we got absolutely destroyed. We went four and 22. We sucked. It was the worst week in the history of our show. And so, yeah, I'm not going to spend much time running through that. Uh, I did just want to touch on some interesting results from the week, Eric. And the first and foremost was good God, Dr. Thunder, just straight up lights Tennessee's ass on fire and they hang a 60 burger in Columbia. The place was rocking. The only thing missing was that they didn't tear down the goalpost and carry it to the river. Yeah. That's the best I've ever seen him look ever. You know, their, their past defense obviously was not great, but he was, he was putting the ball in some really tight windows uh, and getting it out on time and, you know, threaded a couple of needles. I don't, you know, he, he looked like what everyone expected him to look like last year. But, boy, for for a 22-point favorite to go get just – I mean, they got a garbage-time touchdown to get it within 30. But they just got run over. Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> it was just – it was satisfying, Part partly because they were running the score up on people earlier in the year you know, late in games and partly because I'm an Alabama fan, but more so because karma's a bitch and you run the score up, you know, hucking deep bombs with a minute to go when you're up 30 points. It's not going to work out well for you. You don't make too many friends that way. So it uh, shit happens. But another interesting uh, result from the week, Michigan. Man, talk about a narrow escape. They fucking should have lost. They should have lost this game. Uh, should have well at a minimum they should have faced you know fourth and thirteen or fourth and eighteen or whatever it would have been had that had that pass interference penalty actually been called. Oh yeah, if you if you're a listener and you don't know what we're talking about, just go to YouTube and search Michigan Illinois pick play because it was the most blatant pick play I've ever seen. If you were to draw up a pick play, that's what it would look like, and it was perfectly executed by Michigan. And it was not called by the referees, so all you Big Ten conspiracy theorists, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts and you know the fact that they wanted a Michigan and Ohio State to both be undefeated for TV ratings. Yeah, that <laughs> includes you, Coach Bielema. <laughs> yeah. Just hit he us was, up. Hey, man, he was chippy about it, and frankly, he, he was, should be. He was unhappy. Yeah, so that's I, a I legal play him. if the receiver catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage. The problem is he did not. He was he was a good no. yard and a half, two yards past. So yeah, um, you know whether the play was intended to look like that, or you know the throw led the receiver further forward than he would have been, or he he took a step. Um, you know that's a lot of teams don't run that play because there's some moving parts that are easy to get wrong, uh, and and you end up with a result that you should have ended up with on Saturday. But you know there was that, and then uh, Michigan completed a pass uh, that did not look like a completion that got them a, you know, a first down, they're able to go up, uh, it, you know, bottom eight or 10 yards on the field goal try. So indeed tough, tough break for Illinois. Cause they needed that one to stay alive uh, in the West race. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I did not expect that game to go that direction. And, but I will say this, you know, their their counterparts that they're facing this week, Ohio State, they didn't look much better. They screwed around with Maryland, let them hang around. So, you know, that was a – you never really thought Ohio State was in doubt of losing the game or in, in jeopardy of losing, but they they were a 27.5-point favorite, you know, and it just they, – they screwed around all week. So another one of those blunders from our picks this week. Yeah. And then another interesting result was TCU. 
very, very, I, I mean, fantastic game to watch. It was, it was, it was a very fan, uh, interesting game. And, you know, TCU, man, Sonny Dykes gets the wheelbarrow out. Like you like to say yeah. for you and all you South Park fans and <laughs> runs the ball on third down oh with 30 God. seconds to go. And I'm going, what the fuck is he doing? The clock's going to run out. They don't have any timeouts. Yeah. It was like third and eight too. I was yeah. like, man, if, if it's third and two and you think you can get a first down. And it, and, it, you know, it, it would make thing. more sense. It would make more sense if it was like a 20 yard chip shot, but they had a fucking 40 yard field goal to yeah, kick. It just, and they trot the field like, goal unit out there, five, four, three, kick, and it's good. I was like, holy shit balls. I cannot believe yeah. they just. Was- I, they dodged a bullet there because that's an awful lot of risk to take on for honestly not much. Oh, you know, yeah. Because he ran for what, three yards, four yeah. yards? Yeah. Like you don't gain that much and you risk potentially running out of time in a game you're trailing by two points. Well, I love Sonny Dykes too at the at the press conference after the game. Just cool, collected, like, nah, we practice that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, like there was no risk, whatever. Like college kickers miss, Sonny. Like you don't don't try that shit if you make it to the playoff or in the Big Twelve title game against Kansas State. Don't do that. So improbable win. Baylor snatches defeat from the jaws of victory there. And, uh, man, just, I mean, there were some other interesting results. I mean, USC and UCLA had a shootout that uh, USC was victorious. You know, U- uh, UCLA throws a pick there on the last drive. But uh, we'll we'll get into a little bit more about UCLA in the second half of the show because I'm going to – I got some interesting points there. So for our listeners – uh, the second half of the show here, we're just kind of doing a really quick intro to the show here on our picks and uh, from last week and some results because we're going to run through a few games here for week 13, rivalry week, and then we're going to do the coaching carousel on the back end of the show because we won't get another chance because this is the end of the regular season. So, Yeah, uh, a lot of these jobs will, will be filled by the time we record next week. Not a lot, correct. but some. I yeah, mean, this is but- really our one shot. Yeah, and there's also going to be a ton of transfer portal news, which you're already starting to see some of that. And there will be a lot of opt-outs and people going to the NFL and all of the above. So there's going to be a a wave of breaking news uh, come next week. So we're trying to get the coaching carousel part out of the way now and make our predictions as such. So, Eric, I'm going to jump right into the picks this week. And we're going to start with the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving Day. So this is a 7 p.m. Eastern kickoff for the Egg Bowl. Old Miss is laying two and a half at home here, in the to- and the total is 58 and a half. So where are you at on Old Miss and Mississippi State? Uh, I'm on Old Miss minus the two and a half. Um, I know they lost last week. I know they lost, you know, by by a pretty wide margin. And that really was due to turnovers. It weren't. It wasn't like they were ineffective offensively they ran for 450 yards you kidding me yeah you know, I, I think they're gonna be able to come out move the ball on the ground control the clock uh the under is a little tempting but i'll just i'll lay the the two and a half with with old miss if you're telling me they just only have to win by a field goal or more i'll take that mm. well you know i know the first time we did this i, I kind of was with you but you know looking at this now i actually kind of like that total i'm going to take the over I'm going to take over 58 and a half here. I think this could be a shootout. Uh, I could definitely see a lot of scoring in this game. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe there's some turkey coma going on. Maybe there's a little hangover. But I think after last week and with all the shit that Kiffin's got going on with the Auburn rumors and this, that, and the other, I think they'll want to go and put up a good showing. So especially if he goes in the locker room and is like, hey, guys, don't listen to all that noise. Let's just go play. I would think that Mississippi State can score some points and that Ole Miss will score some points as well. So give me the over. Uh, 58 and a half, and you are on Ole Miss minus two and a half. All right, next game is uh, Tulane and Cincinnati. So Cincinnati is also laying two and a half here at home, facing Tulane. They're both nine and two. Uh, this is a battle for the conference championship bid here. So uh, the total is 46 and a half, and I'm going to assume you're taking the over. I, I am. I just, I watched the game Thursday night where Tulane put up 59 points. And I, I get that Cincinnati is better than, than SMU defensively, but, um, you know, SMU even could have scored a, a bunch in that game. It's just untimely turnovers. Um, again, same thing with Ole Miss. So 
I'm going to take Cincy minus the two and a half, and I also like the over 46 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points with Cincy here with you too. I, I, I watched that game between Tulane and UCF when they were playing on the road, and they just kind of they didn't look all that great. I think Cincinnati can do enough to give them problems. So I, I, I'm with you. I like Cincy minus the two and a half here. And I the total, man, it does seem really low. But you got to believe that Cincinnati is superior defensively to some of the teams that these that these guys have been playing with Fickle as their coach. So I'm going to leave the total alone and just lay the points with Cincy here. Uh, so next game, uh, Baylor and Texas. So Texas is laying eight and a half points here at home. It opened at minus five and a half. It's up to eight and a half. The total is only up a point. It's at 55 and a half. Where are you at? I think every time I've taken a total on either of these two teams, um, I'm I'm well below 500 on that. I, I get burned more often than not. So there's no chance I'm touching the total with both of these teams playing the same game. So yeah. I'm going to take Baylor uh, plus the eight and a half. I do like Texas to win, but I think Baylor can keep it closer than nine points. You know, the first time we did this, I was with you on Baylor, but I'm actually going to change my perspective here again because – Two devastating losses in a row for Baylor, man. I mean, they just got mauled at home by Kansas State, and then they lose in dramatic fashion where, like I said, they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against TCU. Now they got to go on the road and play Texas, who you know, still has some shit to play for. Uh, as far as conference title implications go, it's unlikely, but the, you know, they're they do need to win this game. So They looked really good last week against Kansas, just absolutely smoked them. Now they're at home. So I'm going to lay the points with the Longhorns here, eight and a half. I think they could win this by double digits. So I'm going to take that. Not I'm with you on the total, though. Not touching the total. I think I'm 0 for 2 on Texas totals this year. And I'm like maybe 1 and 1 or 1 and 2 on Baylor totals. So don't feel great about that either. Uh, All right, next is Nebraska and Iowa. Man, I I still I can't wrap my head around how Iowa opens as a three point favorite and it's always it's all the way up to ten and a half. I yeah, unless there's some sort of injury news that I missed regarding Nebraska. I don't trust Iowa to beat anyone by eleven points. Yeah, I don't know that they can score <laughs> enough to beat anyone by eleven. So I'll just <laughs> stay away from that and I'll just take the under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't bet the under last week when they played Minnesota and I got burnt. So I'm with you. I'll ride the under and just say they hold Nebraska to a low point total and they don't score more than 28 themselves. So uh, give me the under 38 and a half and we'll just go with that. So we'll see if they can manage to win that game and secure a spot in the Big Ten West to be the sacrificial lamb against either Ohio State or Michigan. All right. So let's go out West here to the Pac-12, Oregon, Oregon State. Now, this is a, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a 3.30 Eastern kickoff, and uh, this is in Corvallis. So, Oregon State is laying, or they are getting three and a half points at home, and the total is 56 and a half. I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not touching it. Yeah, Oregon State is, they're they're a really good team. Um, They don't get nearly enough credit. They're, I think, eight and three. and Yeah, they are. um, Very underappreciated. Yeah, they are. Having said all that, I still like Oregon. I think I'll take Oregon minus the three and a half because they're they're playing for that spot to take on USC. So, mm. well, yeah. For our listeners, this opened at minus seven and it's down to three and a half. So, you know, if you want to watch it, if it gets any closer, you might want to take it. But I would be shocked if it got below a field goal here. I just I don't see that happening. So, road Bo Nix, if he shows up, could be trouble for Oregon. Corvallis is not an easy place to play. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I'm just going to enjoy the game there. Speaking of enjoying games, uh, Iron Bowl week. So the Iron Bowl, Alabama is laying 22 and a half points at home. The total is 49 and a half. Eric, I would lean to the over, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't trust Alabama's offense as far as I can throw it. So I'm going to take Auburn at plus the 22 and a half. Yeah, I am too. I think that's too many points for this game. You know, Auburn obviously is not where they wanted to be at this point in the season, but they still have uh, bowl eligibility to play for. And then even 
you know, this is a game you could have 10 and one versus one and 10, and I still wouldn't favor either team by 22 and a half points. Yeah. Um, personally. So I just, I think it's too much. I think Alabama wins by multiple scores. I just don't know that they get past three touchdowns. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man, this is a weird game and there's a good chance that there's some stuff going on in the background here too, because you, you look at uh, what's happening with the Auburn coaching search right now. You look at Alabama having some potential coaching candidates, you know, with Bill O'Brien and stuff like that. So no, no telling where those guys' heads are, you know, given that all they've got left to play for is probably, you know, maybe a likely orange bowl bid or mm-hmm. a, possibly a sugar bowl. So we'll see. But it just, man, I don't know. So, like I said, I'm going to, we're, we're both on Auburn plus the 22 and a half here. I would lean to the over 49 and a half, but I'm not going to touch that. I just, I can't do it. So, yeah, I, I hope, the, I hope the, I'm over, wrong. the over would be tempting. Um, just because I think Auburn is going to throw everything they got at them. Yeah. Uh, no, no play in the book will be off limits, but no, no, no onside kick trick play fucking yeah. fake punt, whatever, man. Yeah. They're going to throw the playbook at them and yeah. try to yeah. make them play an ugly game. There's even a decent chance that Cadillac Williams is approaching this. Like he, you know, like this is a job interview. Like he, he may feel like he's got a legit chance and, you know, God for you know, he goes out and beats Alabama, uh, they're going to look at them. I can promise <laughs> yeah. you that much. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of have to at that point. I I don't I don't see. I mean, we'll, well, we'll get into the Auburn coaching search on the back half of the show. So, uh, yeah, right, we uh, will. It's it, that's a factor that makes me think twenty two and a half is is a little too much. Is all indeed it uh, does make it interesting. But yeah, I just I don't trust uh, I don't trust Bill O'Brien. I can't do it. I've put too much faith in him through various points this season and it has not paid off for me. So uh, next on the docket is Kansas and Kansas state. And I don't care what the line is. I'm trying to find it right now, but give me K state and the points. Cause this is going to be a blowout. Okay. Yeah, 10 and a half. It's not enough. Half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> not I'm enough. K state They're They're a winning in scenario uh, mm-hmm. to go get a rematch against TCU. And I think they're going to, you know, they're at home. They got something to play for. You know, at Kansas kind of feels to me like they've they've used up all the house money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And they've they've really not looked great the last couple of weeks. They're still playing with the backup quarterback. Yeah, I believe. Um, yes. So, you know, it opened at eleven and a half, kind of went up, has come back down. At Ten and a half. I'm I'm comfortable with that number. Give me give me the Wildcats. Yep, I'm with you. Lay the points. I'm not touching the total, but I would lean to the over sixty one and a half. Uh, Cause I think Kansas state might score 50. <laughs> so see what happens. Um, all right. Let's talk about the big one. Fuck it. Let's just get into the big one. Michigan at Ohio state. Oh, is that, is that this week? Uh, yeah. So Ohio state is laying seven and a half at home. The total is 56 and a half. <sighs> this is entirely injury dependent for me. If Blake Corum, and Donovan Edwards both play for Michigan, I would be willing to take Michigan and the points here. But if they do not both play, I would take Ohio State. Yeah, it kind of has to be both. And initially I would say that if either one plays, but I they're just they're different enough where Donovan Edwards is more of the pass catcher out of the backfield mm-hmm. element that that you know, and then Blake Corum is strictly the better running back. Uh, both of these teams have some some injury question marks, particularly at the running back position. Yes. Between that and what I assume will probably be not great weather, um, the day or two days after Thanksgiving in Columbus, Ohio, I'm just going to take the under 56 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, probably not a bad pick there. Like I say, for me personally, I, I don't have a pick here at this moment. It has come down from 61.5 all the way to 56.5, but I think that's a pretty good total. I just wouldn't take either side on this until I know more. If, Like I say, if I if if they report that Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards are both going to play, I would lay the points of Michigan if it's more yeah. than a touchdown. So the, the problem, yeah, the issue I would have with, with taking – one side or the other in this game is we're not going to know who is in and who is out until the offense takes the field at 1205 on Saturday. So I'm just going to touch it and just think, you know, if I had to make a pick on this game, it would be the under. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll see, man. That's uh, it's going to be a big time matchup, like you said, a noon kickoff on Saturday. So, man, excited about that. Be really interesting. A lot of playoff implications. You know, you got to believe if it's a really, really close game, then they've they've both. You know, the losing team has, still has a great chance to get in the playoffs, depending on what uh, what happens elsewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. So, last couple of uh, games. Speaking of playoff teams. Got one that's currently in line to make the playoffs and another who's fighting to get there. Uh, TCU is at home against Iowa State. Matt Campbell trying to play spoiler here. They are don't have a chance to be bowl eligible. They are, let's see, TCU's minus nine and a half here. Total is 47 and a half. I got to be honest, I don't feel great about either side. TCU was missing their best three offensive players in the fourth quarter of the game the other day. I don't know their statuses. I wouldn't touch this game and I would just sit back and watch. Yeah. I, the only, the only thing I would consider is taking under 47 and a half. Um, you know, the line is tempting because Iowa state ordinarily doesn't get really you know blown out like that. They, if they lose it's, it's 10 or fewer, but uh, I just TCU just kind of feels like, and they felt this way for a month, but they kind of feel like the luck's going to run out any day now. And I even know, how at, many times can they steal a cover or a victory? I mean, it just, right. The last time they were nine and a half point favorites and I took them, they, they threw the, the touchdown pass in garbage time to win by 10. Yeah. Um, so I, the first time we did this, I, I took under 47 and a half and I think I'm just going to punt on this game and just enjoy it like you. All right. Well, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick second before we get into our last pick and tell you guys about our sponsor, which is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. And I love doing the same game parlays. Uh, They've got easy and fast payouts. You know, they've got lots of different options, player props, all kinds of things that you could bet on. So right now, new customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place the same-game parlay and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, etc. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the sh- your shot to win big. So... I always like to play multiple parlays. You know, I throw out a five or six leg parlay every week, and sometimes it pays off for me, sometimes it doesn't. But, man, when those do hit, there's no better feeling than knowing you bet, you know, whatever it may be, five bucks, and you end up winning 50 or 60. Or, you know, if you're a big better and you throw down 50 bucks and you win five or 600, it's just, it's a really good, uh, fun time when those actually hit. So, so hopefully you've hit a couple of those this year or you're willing to lay down some cash on the NFL games this weekend and hit one or two. Uh, but now to hit any of those, the first thing you got to do is you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. And then you got to place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply there, so check out our show notes for those details. All right. So, Eric, uh, I went ahead and told our listeners about our sponsors while you were away. So let's get into our final uh, pick of the week here which is Notre Dame and USC. So USC is laying five and a half at home here. Um, I got to be honest, man. I don't think there's a soul that wants to play Notre Dame right now because they have been absolutely murdering people. Yeah, they they have a similar feel to me as Utah last season towards the end of the year where lost a couple games early, people kind of forgot about them, and then at the end of the year – just started demolishing people, right? You think back to Utah, they <laughs> they just dog walked Oregon twice in three weeks. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, and it's one of those we talked about it last year. It's like, man, if there's if this playoff expansion had happened and you had twelve teams like Oregon or not Oregon, Utah, they would be like the scariest ten seed imaginable. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Notre Dame's kind of that same way. They, you know, no one's real anxious to line it up with them right now with anything on the line. And for no. those reasons, uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame plus the five and a half. 
Ooh, man. You're not willing to take a uh, plus 168 on the money line here? No, because I'm not that confident that they'll win. I just, I think they will, you know, USC is still living off of turnovers. They're not really stopping people. You know, they're not getting stops. Um, yeah, turnovers can make any prediction look awful. It's not something you ordinarily can predict. But if if Notre Dame, you know, takes care of the football enough to at least win the turnover battle, I like their chances to to make it a really, really close game, you know, down to the final drive type game. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to just be bold here and say that Notre Dame wins this game. And okay, so they you are going to take the money they, line. Yeah, I'm going to take them at plus 168 here on the money line. And I will watch that money line. And if it gets any better, then I will continue to bet it. Follow it up. Yeah. I just, I don't think anybody wants to play Notre Dame right now, man. They're just, they're in a nasty mood. They've been killing people. (laughs) Took Boston College out behind the woodshed in the snow and just shot them. (laughs) It, it, uh, they're, they're on a mission, man. I don't know what their mission is, but I, and it's inexplicable how this team lost to Marshall and Stanford. But, man, they don't look like the same team. That So give me Notre Dame money line here. All right. So we've got all the picks in. So let, is, let us get into the good part of the show here, which is coaching carousel outlook. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to identify each of the open Power 5 jobs or, you know, ones that currently have interim coaches attached to them. And we're going to identify some candidates for each and just see where the conversation goes, man. So take it away. Where are we going to start? Okay. Well, think back, uh, gosh, it must have been uh, three or four weeks ago now. We looked at the jobs themselves and we kind of ranked what would be the most attractive opening uh, if we were coaches. And mm-hmm. so we'll just kind of go because we, we mostly agreed. Um, so we'll just kind of go in order of that. And we'll start at Nebraska. So they, they were actually the first job to open up. Uh, they let Scott Frost go after three and a half pretty unsuccessful seasons. Uh, Mickey Joseph is the interim. They have not been much better under him, to be quite honest. I know he's kind of a high-energy guy, and he seems to be recruiting pretty well given his circumstances. Um, they, you know, they've gotten a handful of commits in the last month. I just don't know that they view him as the permanent solution. Uh, we'll see. I think if I'm them, and we're going to kind of approach it like this, right? So, Jason, you're the athletic director at School X for a day, mm-hmm. and your first yep. order of business is to hire a head football coach. And if it were me, I think the first call I would make, the guy who makes the most sense to me, is Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. Um, hmm. Now, whether Interesting. whether he would take it or not, that's a whole different deal. Um, if he didn't, I have a backup. But, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman – he was 69 and six in North Dakota state, um, won four national championships. He's 28 and 19 down in Manhattan. Uh, he's in his mid fifties, so he's not particularly a young guy, but he's not so old that you wouldn't think that he'd be willing to stick around for four or five years and, and build up. Uh, he's originally from Iowa. He coached in a couple different places in Iowa. So he, he plays the type of football or his teams play the type of football that I think the Nebraska fans, and administration wants to see. And I think he, I think he could get things turned around there. So, um, Hmm. failing that, I think they should, and probably would take a long, hard look at Mr. Lance Leipold, the other coach down in Kansas. Oh yeah. Who was even more uh, successful than Chris Kleiman was at a lower level, but, uh, he was 109 and six at, at, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, which is NAI school. I'm sorry, division oh, yeah. division three school. Uh, six national championships. Goes to Buffalo, kind of gets them turned around. They went 37, 33, uh, 24 and 10 his last three years, and then goes to Kansas. We've we've kind of seen what he's done there in in two seasons. So went from two and ten to bowl eligibility, and he also has kind of that that same sort of background. Um, he was at Nebraska Omaha off and on for I think six or seven seasons total. So he's familiar with the area in terms of, you know, recruiting, you know, who's who. And I I think for me, if I was them, it'd be climbing Leipold fairly close race, but it'd be one of those two guys. Hmm. Interesting. Well, 
I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, mine are, I, I agree with both of those takes. Like I think both of those guys would be good gets for them, but uh, I'm going to tell you, man, if I'm Nebraska's AD and I need to make a hire, I'm going to go get Bill O'Brien from Alabama because he's got previous Big Ten head coaching experience in which he took over an absolute dumpster fire at Penn State and was, I mean, you could say, I wouldn't say highly successful, but marginally successful given what was going on there. I mean, it was a complete disaster after the whole Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno situation. And if you don't, if if you're a young listener and you don't know about that, go back and read about it because it was a just sick, disgusting, terrible situation up there. And Bill O'Brien took over and, you know, had some success there. Yeah, I think Penn he went State. like so six, to, 16 and 10 in two years, something like that. It, it, yeah, and given I mean, what they were going through, oh, that's pretty right. pretty impressive. So to me, you take a guy like O'Brien who has now coached under Saban for a couple of seasons, you know, and you take those principles and apply them to Nebraska, and that combined with his previous Big Ten head coaching experience, to me he is the no-brainer fit for them. Now, barring him – Leipold was was my number two. I, I did not have Kleiman on my list because I just don't know that he would take that. He, I mean, he might, given that Kansas State, we don't know what the Big 12 is going to look like, you know, when the new playoff comes rolling around. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get out of that and get into one of the Big Two, which is either the Big Ten or the SEC, it would make sense. But I think Leipold, I think Nebraska would be a nice step up for him. So I think that's a good fit there as well. So who do we got on the docket next? The Badgers. Uh, they, Ooh. I believe, were the second team to to let go of a coach. Uh, let go of Paul Christ. And Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, is currently the interim coach. And I think, if I had to guess, he probably stays. Um, I would agree. He's, he's a Wisconsin alum. He's a three-time All-American there. Played 10 years in the NFL. He's been an assistant on the staff since 2016. So he's obviously familiar with you know, the area, the job, um, frankly. And I, I think they were afraid of him getting a head coach job elsewhere when they got, when they found themselves on the fence with Paul Christ because he was there and right. they were worried about him getting poached. Right. Cause yeah. couldn't Nebraska had let Frost go by this point. I think the fact that they had him on staff and didn't want to lose him was a factor in letting Paul Christ go. So I think Jim Leonard will be the guy. Yeah, I would have to agree there. I, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with the hire. I, I think if you're a defensive coordinator, like to me, if you've got the problems that you have at Wisconsin and, and then you hire from within, that to me is like questionable. It's kind of the Clemson thing, you know, where we we question their offensive ineptitude, but then they hire from within mm. to run the offense and it's still inept. So I don't know that Jim Leonard is going to be able to really change a whole lot at Wisconsin, but I do agree that he probably will be the guy. I think legally by state law, the job has to be open for seven days. It it was posted like two days ago. So, or uh, yeah, it was posted two days ago. So we'll know Saturday after the game, whether or not Leonard is going to be the guy. So we'll figure that out. But I, I'm in agreement with you that I, I think he's probably the dude. So uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Colorado. They, mm. They've been, they've been bad. I'm interested to hear your take on this. Cause I've got kind of a wild one. Okay. I, I have one that you might kind of find strange, but I'll tell you why I think Brian Harson is a good fit for them. Oh, okay. Um, so, so first off, I, I understand that things did not go well at Auburn. Right? I get it. Brian Harson is a good football coach, period. End of the, you know, you don't go 69 to 19 at Boise without knowing what the hell you're doing. Uh, he was just, <laughs> he was just a bad choice for Auburn. He was not a good fit there. He wasn't the guy that, they really wanted uh he's kind of the guy they ended up with you know he, he won double digit games five times in boise and his style of coaching and running a program at boise which was more uh diamond in the rough developmental than just what it would be at auburn where it's four star four star five star four star i think is a better fit at a place like colorado they're not expecting to be good anytime real soon 
I think he could go there, get a couple of years to slowly build up and find those types of guys he had at Boise. And, you know, the Pac-12 is better this year than it has been, but we don't know what's going to happen to the Pac-12 either. So I think, you know, if you give him three or four seasons, I think Brian Harson could at least get them back to relevancy. Hmm. Interesting. I would tend to disagree there. I Harson, not a great recruiter. He kind of took over a situation at Boise State that was already a juggernaut. And so that makes me question whether he could drag a program out of the mud to make it something good. Yeah, uh, but it's so, not like he went there and they ever fell off. Like they got yeah. better as he went. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad football coach. I'm not saying that. I just, I have doubts on his ability to take over a dumpster fire like Colorado and make it into something good. So if I'm Colorado, I kind of, I kind of want to go a different direction here because God, they're so bad, man. And what's a good way to make your offense really good all of a sudden, you know, without having to add a ton of talent. That would be by hiring Troy Calhoun from from Air Force. Troy Calhoun has been really good at Air Force. I mean, considering the kind of talent that he has to work with year in and year out, the guys won double digit games multiple times, and I mean they they went ten and three last year. They're you know what seven or eight and three this year. So you know, to me, if you got Troy Calhoun. You know, he could run that option if you wanted to. I mean, I, th- I think it would be an interesting addition to Colorado. I mean, he's already right there. He knows the area. He knows how to recruit. Now he doesn't just have to recruit Air Force Academy dudes. He can actually go and get some, you know, some dudes. So I think that would be an interesting hire. I just, I wish more teams would run the option, you know, and not, but you could do kind of like what a Jamie Chadwell does at Coastal Carolina at Colorado, you know, where they run a version of the triple option, but they still throw it a bunch. You know what I mean? So yep. you can make certain tweaks to be able to do that. But with just the lack of talent they have, I would love to see Calhoun get a, a shot at a big job like that because, I mean, over his tenure, he's what, 118 and 78 there? I mean, to me, that's pretty impressive at a team like Air Force. You know, a couple of division titles there. So, I mean, he was the Mountain West Coach of the Year in 07. So he's been around. He's experienced. That's who I would go with if I was Colorado because you know you can go get that guy. It's not like he would turn the job down. Probably not. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that's – I don't look at it as like a given. Um, they, they could probably go get him, but interesting choice. I hadn't thought of him. You mentioned a guy that I want to talk about next as my candidate to take over in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, and that is Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell, interesting. Who is, uh, as a head coach overall, previous stops, 99 and 55. He's 31 and 4 in his last three seasons. Uh, Got four double-digit win seasons between Division II, FCS, Division I, or FCS and FBS, excuse me. he runs a really unique offense. It's very effective. No one's really figured it out. Coastal Carolina, it, you know, you talk about culture fits. Anyone who who follows uh, Shant Twitter at all, uh, they have a really, really good culture. And kids love going to play there and playing for him. Man, I just – Georgia Tech the same way as Air Force, right? They can't just necessarily go recruit anyone. They have some limitations uh, based on academics. They have to do something maybe a little different than other people, and his offense is it. And I think I think he would take the job, and I think he would do well there. Hmm. See, I, I like Chadwell a lot, and I would love to see him get a shot at a Power 5 team. I don't know that taking the Georgia Tech job would be a good move for him because Georgia Tech is now with this new transfer portal – the, the new rules that are in place, it's basically impossible to keep your good players because you're going to lose your best players to the portal every year. Yeah, they're, and, they are they are at a disadvantage in terms of the portal, but I don't know that they're in any, at, you know, any larger disadvantage than he already would be at a group of five school. 
Yeah, but well, he is because the Georgia Tech, you know, they've got those uh, the same kind of the thing that Stanford has going on where they can't take, you know, like it's kind of like uh, Stanford can't take grad transfers, you know, because they can't get into grad school there. And Georgia Tech is a lot of the same way. And they have certain, you know, academic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Academic timelines that don't really line up with the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So it's harder for them to get good transfers in. And it's, you know, like you said, it's a big disadvantage because they lose their players. So, but all that being said, if I was going to make a hire at Georgia Tech, uh, I would go and look at Bill Clark, the former UAB coach who retired last year. And uh, rumor has it is that his back surgery went wildly well and that he's in good health now. And, you know, he's maybe interested in coming back to coaching. So this guy took over a UAB program that had been canceled. And so he brought them back out of nothing. And you remember our former guest, uh, Christy Dosh, she was on the consulting group to bring them back. And so Bill Clark takes over. They go six and six, eight and five, 11 and three, nine and five, six and three in 2020, and then nine and four before he retires. So 49 and 26 record on a team that just came back to football. To me, if you're going to try to get a team out of the dumpster, I mean, I, I feel like he would be a great name and he's available, he's affordable, and you know, it's not too far from where he was coaching. So I think that would be a good fit getting Bill Clark. Yeah. Now I also think that that Brent Key, their interim, I think they're gonna look at, at keeping him on. He, yeah, I, I agree there. I think he's got a good shot given what uh the results have been under him, yes. you know, the turnaround that we've seen. They so they've that, looked much uh, better. Yes, they have. And, you know, part of that, some of that may be to the fact that the rest of the ACC is down. But at the same time, they were an absolute joke. Yeah, they won three games the last three years each yeah. season. Like, so, yeah, and they've they've really given some teams some problems this year under Brent Key. So, I mean, I, th- I think they should consider keeping him. So, we'll see. All right, who's next? South Florida. Uh, oh baby, this one this one's interesting. I, I can't wait to hear your takes on this one. Okay, well, South Florida, for those who don't know, is in Tampa. Uh, right down the road to the south from Tampa is Fort Myers, Florida, which is the hometown of one Dion Sanders. Well, you should know that. So Dion Sanders at Jackson State, he's twenty five and five, and I know his name has been thrown out in a lot of Power Five jobs. I'm skeptical that a lot of Power Five schools are confident in him making that jump from FCS to power five after two, well, almost three full seasons. Uh, I think he's going to have to take a group of five job first. And I think it's going to be at a place who a group of five school that is struggling like USF. But if you're going to put Deion Sanders in a FBS school in Tampa, watch that dude recruit, right? They will not be three and 24 or whatever Jeff Scott was. I promise. No, Um, no, no. So I just, I think it's a good fit for, I don't know that he would take it. He may view himself as, as power five ready and may think, I don't want to say like, think he's above it, but kind of, you know, think he's above that. But, you could say that it's Deion Sanders. He's one of the yeah. most arrogant people, you know, in sports. So you can I, say I, that. I, 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 pref- I think of him as more confident. Um, but I, if I'm South Florida, that's who I'm calling. And, you know, whether they can meet his asking price who knows? Um, but I think he would be a fantastic fit there. You know, the American is going to be there for the taking here pretty soon. USF's leaving, Cincinnati's leaving. I'm actually in a hundred percent. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. That's who I've got listed as my primary candidate for this job. I think Dion is a perfect fit, and I absolutely agree with what you said about the recruiting. Put that guy in Tampa. He will get some dudes to come to school there. I mean, the guy got Travis Hunter to go to. Jackson State of all places. So, I mean, they, if you can manage to get some dudes down there, yes, Dion would run absolute roughshod over the American within a couple of seasons, I think. So, yeah, if you give I, him, I don't know of a of a more a perfect fit. Yeah, you give him a mulligan on year one, uh, six and six year two, nine and three year three. He then he goes and he you know whatever power five job opens, but. Uh, Man, I, I think he could make something out of that place. 
Yeah, my backup to that would have been uh, Dan Mullen. You know, I, I thought about Dan I thought Mullen. about him. Uh, he was actually the first he, one that kind of came to mind. I was like, oh, I wonder what Dan Mullen's up to these. Um, he's but, working for SEC Network, yeah. doing his thing. You know, and he's he's he coached at Florida uh, as a coordinator under Urban Meyer and as a head coach. He's not known as a big time recruiter. You know, doesn't really like to recruit, but you know the guy can coach, and he would certainly be a massive upgrade over anything they've had down there in the last decade. So, you know, if, as far as guys who don't currently have jobs, I think he's a guy that, you know, if you can't get Dion, you certainly might want to call to see if he's interested. Okay. Last one before we get to uh, what we, we think is the biggest job open uh, Arizona state let go of Herm Edwards. They have mm-hmm. some off field stuff going on with the uh, recruiting investigation. So, yeah. which is why we kind of, had this one ranked pretty low on our list. But uh, if I'm the athletic director at Arizona state, my first call is to uh, Eugene, Oregon, and I'm going to get Kenny Dillingham on the phone. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I uh, had him, uh, I had him in the, in, you know, in the reserves. Okay. Well, Kenny Dillingham is from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, he's, he's a younger yeah. guy. He's 32 or 33. Uh, he's an Arizona state alum. He has been an assistant there previously. Uh, I, want to say it was when Mike Norvell was the offensive coordinator and maybe like the 2015, yeah. 16 timeframe. Uh, yes. He's, he's the offensive coordinator at Oregon. For those who don't know, he previously offensive coordinator at Auburn and Florida state. I just, I think there's enough local ties and he's uh, kind of a young energetic guy to where he could come in and, you know, maybe keep whatever remaining talent they have and, and get some more. They're probably going to get hammered um, penalty-wise with this recruiting violation stuff, you know. But he's 32, and if you're going to if you give him a five-year deal, say, hey, you know, we'll we'll keep you under contract long enough for that stuff to blow over, and and you'll have a, a legit chance. It won't be like Lane Kiffin, USC 2.0. Uh, I think he's a guy who could do some good things there. All right. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because uh, we do know that their athletic director seems to like NFL guys. So if I'm Arizona state, my first call is to Matt rule because Matt rule has experience taking over dumpster fires. He's taken over a couple in his time as a head coach in college. And the last time he took over uh, a team was Baylor. They were one and 11 the year before he got there. And within two seasons, they were 11 and two. And so if I'm going to come up with a guy who can take over my team, who's familiar recruiting this type of area, you know, I mean, Baylor's in West Texas there, and that's not all that far from Arizona. So to me, I would get Matt Rule to try to take over this dumpster fire. He doesn't really need money. I would think that given he just got paid $42 million not to coach Carolina, that money is not really an issue, that mainly he just needs a right fit to go to. And Herm Edwards was not a good hire. We all questioned it when it happened and it ended badly, but I don't think anybody would scoff at Matt rule being hired. I think most people, the general consensus would say that's a good hire. So Matt rule would be my primary candidate. My backups on this would have been Harson and also Dillingham. Hmm. <sighs> okay. Last one, the big one. Uh, and this oh, yeah. is one I had a strong opinion on up until basically this morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn, uh, as of about lunchtime today, I would have said Lane Kiffin's job to lose. Uh, yeah. Does not sound like that's likely to happen. Or maybe they just haven't talked yet. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, he's at his fourth head coaching stop at Ole Miss. He's 84 and 43 overall. He's had one losing season in 11 years as a head coach, and that was 5-7 and seven in 2018 at FAU. Uh, he's got four 10-win seasons. He, on the surface, seems like a good fit for them. Uh, I know he's made some some comments publicly about Ole Miss and their crowds at home games and fan support. Would not be an issue for him at Jordan-Hare. Um, I think Auburn is the kind of place that would be attractive to him because he's going to get every resource he asks for. Um, hey, we need this. We need that. We need these things to to compete, he would get them at Auburn. I don't know that he gets them at Old Miss. Now, de- you know, depending on what you believe or what you read, it sounds like that may not be as likely. I don't know where they 
where they turn to if it's not him. Uh, I've seen Bill Clark's name mentioned. I don't know that that is, I guess, splashy enough for me to believe that Auburn boosters are going to buy off on that. I don't the guy. The guy's obviously a really good coach. I just well, yeah, don't know if he's the type yeah, of guy I've, that I've, the money people I are I talked after. about it previously. That, yeah, I talked about it previously. Their biggest donor is the uh, the, the, the head the honcho at Yellowwood. Yeah. yeah, the Yellowwood. And Bill Clark was his guy. That's who he wanted. So, you know, I, there are some big money dudes who want Bill Clark and are a fan of him. But there again, you know, there's questions about his health and does he actually want to get back into coaching and that kind of thing. So I don't know, but I'm with you. I, I, I understand what you're saying. So do you have a, so do you have a backup to Kiffin? Not really, because I, he, in my mind was sort of a foregone conclusion for, okay. for pretty much this whole time. All right. Well, uh, my guy, I, I'm going to preface this with, I don't see Lane Kiffin taking this job. I just don't. And for a couple of reasons, first of all, if I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think there's a reasonable chance that if Nick Saban retired tomorrow, that Lane Kiffin could get the Alabama job? Could get or would want? Like could I think we both know he would, would he would want. Um, I yeah. think he'd be as, as likely as anyone else. Right. As far as, so as, far as them me, wanting him. Right. And so to me, I know, I mean, I've got a ton of Alabama fan friends, obviously being an Alabama fan, pretty much every Alabama fan that I know would love to have Kiffin replace Saban when he does decide to retire. So if that's the general consensus, you know, I know the situation with him and, you know, Saban canned his ass the week of the national championship game and all that. I get all of that, but. I think, you know, at this point, when Saban decides to retire, he'll be under consideration there. And I think that if you've got a chance to get the Alabama job, you don't take the Auburn job because that will take you out of that running. Hmm. So it just to me, I think he's going to hold out for something better than Auburn because outside of the ability to win championships, what's really the advantage of going to Auburn? Like the expectations are way higher. It's way more. You know, I think there's, there's way more, more pressure. Yeah, a lot more pressure. And so he's a young guy. It's not like he's in any hurry to win a championship before he retires. So to me, I think he does well by waiting it out and seeing what else comes open because he will be a candidate for every big name job that comes open. To me, I think he just waits it out. I don't see him taking the job. So knowing that, I think Hugh Freeze is probably their number two on their list. I'm not going to buy that until it happens because I just am not sure that Greg Sankey is willing to sign off on that. Yeah, because, I, think, you know, I think there's other hurdles other than right. just we want this guy to be our coach. Right, yeah. Saban tried to hire him as an analyst and the SEC stiff-armed it, said, no, you're not going to hire that guy. Now, granted, that was a year after all the shitstorm hit at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze, but right. he, he left their program in the toilet, man. So I, I don't know that Sankey wants that kind of attention. I mean, he comes with his own baggage, but he does fit the Auburn mold. They did hire Bruce Pearl, you know, mm-hmm. who had a two-year show cause penalty. So it uh, it would fit what they have hired in their other sports. So it wouldn't shock me that if the SEC were to sign off on it. But there again, if you're Hugh Freeze, you just signed an eight-year contract. He doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't have a big buyout, so he could leave, but he's making $5 million a year, and he has the freedom to schedule anybody he wants. I mean, so really, why leave that unless you just are convinced that you can go down to Auburn and defy the odds and beat Alabama and Georgia every year or every other year? I just, I don't know. Maybe he wants to get back into the SEC, but I don't know that Auburn would be the place you would want to go to do that. So if I'm excluding those two dudes who I don't think will take the job, I think Jeff Grimes at Baylor is a good fit. He's an Auburn guy. He was at Auburn previously as their offensive line coach, and he went to you know, a couple of stops. He went to BYU as their O-line coach, and – you know, ended up becoming their offensive coordinator and they did really well under him. They went from scoring like 28 a game to 40 and same thing at Baylor. You know, he took over at Baylor. They were scoring 31 points a game and then they jumped up to 39. So 
his offenses are a lot of fun. You know, I think he's, if you want an Auburn guy, I'm using air quotes here, then I think Jeff Grimes, the Baylor offensive coordinator, would be a good hire there. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of him either. Because I know when it opened, a lot of people said the same thing they said about some of the other jobs where, oh, well, well, Dion can come in. And I just can't see them offering the job to Dion Sanders. Um, no, I don't either. I mean, I think if you're <laughs> if you're going to offer it to Dion Sanders, I mean, what what really, to me, outside of just the name Dion Sanders, would there be a massive difference in hiring him or just retaining Cadillac Williams? Right. That's what, That was kind of my thing was like, well, if you're going to hire Dion, you you can save a bunch of money by just keeping Cadillac on. Agree. Uh, but that's, you know, now I don't make the decisions for Auburn, obviously, but that's kind of where, where I was thinking. So I guess we didn't agree on enough of these to really talk about downstream effects because that is one of the more interesting parts of the coaching carousel is coach leaves school A for school B. Well, what does school A do now? Yeah, because I think a lot of head – I think a lot of – uh coordinators are going to end up getting promoted. I don't see a year like last year where so many head coaches eject, right. you know, like a Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. I, maybe we see that again. I don't know, but I, I will mention a couple of names here that we didn't mention that could be in the mix for various jobs. And one guy who it's, it's surprising to me how many people don't know this, but you're the facts guy. So maybe you do. Are you off the top of your head? Do you know who TCU's offensive coordinator is? Garrett Riley. Correct. Yeah. Lincoln Riley's little brother. Yep. So yeah, he's gonna get a shot here look, pretty soon. You would think, given that you know he's got the pedigree, he's got the name, he's cut, you know he runs the Brile stuff. Yeah, he's know, got so the results. They, yeah, and so I would think that Garrett Riley being as young as he is, is going to get a look somewhere, you know, maybe at a school like USF or even like a Colorado somewhere, you know, maybe Arizona state. I don't know, but you would think that he's going to get a look given the success that he's had with Max Duggan. Oh uh, yeah. Backup quarterback, Max Duggan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wasn't even the starter coming in. They've made him look like a Heisman candidate. So to me, you do that. That's uh that's an interesting take. The one that I can't put my finger on is Chadwell. Yeah. You know, you you, you kind of projected him at uh, Georgia Tech. And yep. I think that, I mean, for all, like, take Georgia Tech aside. Where's mm-hmm. Chadwell's best fit? Uh, other than Georgia Tech, maybe South Florida. But I don't know that that's really that big a step up for him. Um, no, they would drill South Florida tomorrow. Yeah. I personally, I would love to see what the what he could do at Nebraska. It'll never happen. Nebraska fans are kind of weird about it because they're, you know, they they want <laughs> they want to pound the ball, right? They want a dominant rushing attack. Yes. So, you know, and I've gotten I don't want to say like you know Twitter briefs. It's nothing that silly, but healthy debates like, well, I don't I don't want Link Kiffin. I want a dominant rushing attack. I was like. His offense. Don't is, lie, because you've spent you've spent hours of your days arguing with Nebraska fans about like, rushing offense. <laughs> Old Miss is third in the country in rush yards per game, behind two service academies. If you want a dominant <laughs> yeah. rushing attack, where else are you looking? And Kiffin is from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, so he was born in Lincoln. His dad played at Nebraska. His dad was an assistant there for a number of years under Tom Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Chadwell and Nebraska. I mean, that's one way we talked about previously. I mean, would it just blow your mind if Kiffin left Ole Miss and took the Nebraska job? No, because it goes back to that 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 uh, press conference he gave with how disappointed he is when they come out at halftime, and you know the sta- the stands are fat, half empty. Well, you know where the stands yep, are. You never ain't got empty? that problem at Nebraska <laughs> ever, right? Three hundred and ever. I think sixty something. Um, yeah, straight sellouts. I, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, other than Georgia Tech, I think, it, again, probably would never happen, but I think Jamie Chadwell bringing his offense to Nebraska, you know, because it is fairly run heavy and it's a lot of the same run concepts, they do throw it a little more. It's not necessarily like a leech, like high volume passing. They're just very, very effective with it because they've got those options. He does need the right quarterback to run that. Uh, can't just be any yeah. dude off the streets. Yeah. So. Um, well, in today's transfer maybe, portal, that's pretty easily doable. Right, and and you can get those guys. You just have to hit on it or it's going to be a long year, right? So we've talked about this with Wake. 
similar type of deal. Like once Sam Hartman leaves, who knows where they go, right? Because that offense I think they're I think their coaching staff is gonna be in the transfer portal after Sam yeah, Hartman leaves. It's entirely it's entirely possible that they just crater. Um, once they don't have that guy running that offense, but uh, or Arizona State even, um, I think he could maybe go there. I don't know that he yeah. would want to. I mean, he's he's from, uh, I believe Tennessee. Um, went to school there, coached there, uh, Greenville State. He's coached in the Carolinas basically his entire career. I don't know that he would want to go to Arizona State. I think that's which is kind of why I think Georgia Tech is maybe the better fit for him. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see. There's going to be a lot more news breaking uh, next week. So when we reconvene next week, we will uh, cover any of the news that's popped up in the coaching realm and we will review uh, rivalry week and we'll have more time to get in the act into the actual game results next week. But uh, until then, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod, uh, Instagram, same thing. We finally got back into our Instagram account today, finally. Uh, yeah, so that there will be uh, some presence uh, on there as well. And you can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair and our other counterparts as well. Um, they are on our uh, Twitter. It's pretty easy to find our other counterparts. They're just not on the show with us. But uh, we'll be back with you next week uh, talking uh, results and conference titles and all of the above. So until then, catch you later. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.